Praise God. Good morning, church. If you weren't awake, you're awake now. (laughs) Praise God for grace and favor. Amen. (laughs) Today, this morning, I'm going to talk about a man in Genesis. Way back in the beginning. A man in Genesis who, um, who I believe understood what grace and favor meant for him in his life. And uh, his life was certainly a roller coaster of highs and lows. But the thing about it was that God's hand was always in his circumstance. And God turned every bad situation for good. It's a story about Joseph. Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob. Favored above all his brothers, his father loved him so much that he even made this beautiful cloak for him. And, and uh, I don't think he did him any favors. He sort of put him up on a pedestal amongst his brothers, and his, his brothers didn't like him very much. But what I've got from Joseph's story is that it all started with a dream. This dream then led to some pretty intense trials in his life, and it was through the trials that he experienced God's grace and favor, and walked into victory. But the thing that strikes me about Joseph is when he was in that victory, how he acted really showed his heart for God. So in saying that, I'm just going to offer this this message up in prayer because I want God's words to come out here this morning. So Father, Lord, I just thank you for this message that you've put on my heart, Lord. I pray you anoint it, you bless it, Lord. I pray that it's your words coming out here, Father. I pray that there's someone here with a soft heart came in this morning ready to receive this message, Father. This is for them. So I pray their ears are open, their hearts are ready to to receive this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Joseph, he's the favorite child. And like I said, his, his dad didn't really do him any favors. He, uh, he gave him, well, he did, he did him a lot of favors, but he didn't do him any favors in the eyes of his brothers. He, uh, he gave him this, this flash cloak. He set him up. He said, I, I love this boy more than everybody else, basically. And, um, but Joseph, uh, Joseph wasn't too, um, <laughs> too, too much of his best friend either. Like he, he went out into the field and he'd work under his half-brother's all day, and he'd be watching his brothers, and every time his brothers did something a bit dodgy, he'd run back to dad, and he'd say, dad, I saw saw my brothers doing this, dad, and he'd tell on them, he was a a little bit of a snitch, he was a little bit of an ark, and uh, and one day, God gave Joseph a dream, he gave him a bit of a look into his future, in Genesis 37.5, one night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. (laughs) Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up. And all your bundles all gathered around my bundle and bowed low before mine. Not the wisest thing to say to your brothers when they already don't like you. His brothers responded as you'd expect. So you think you will be our king, do you? You actually think you will reign over us. And they hated him all the more because his dreams and the way that he talked about them. 
Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars all bowed low before me. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars. Well, Joseph had eleven brothers. And the sun and the moon, they represented his mother and his father. And this time he told his father that dream as well, and his father said to him, what kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So he wasn't too smart, I think, in the way that he delivered it. But I can appreciate that God gave him a vision, and he spoke it out. God gave him a glimpse of his purpose. And I really think that that vision and that purpose that God had given him was something for him to hold on to through what was about to come in his life. And I encourage you, if you don't know what God's purpose is for you yet, ask him. Ask him to give you a vision and hold on to that. And the thing is about visions from God and the thing is about purpose from God is that the enemy is going to try and make you think you can't do it. First thing his brother said, do you really think that we're going to bow down to you? The world is going to try and tell you that you are not capable of fulfilling your vision and your calling. But hold on to that vision. When he gives you that vision, hold on to it. At times during our walk, we're going to need to hold on to that vision and that truth. Because what we found next is that Joseph went through some trials. Joseph's brothers had had enough of hearing about these dreams and these visions and seeing their father, uh, you know, favor this golden child. And they came up with a pretty, uh, a pretty nasty scheme. They said, come on, in Genesis 37, 20, come on, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns, which is, it was an empty cistern. It's basically a big pit that was filled with water once upon a time. Let's throw him into these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. And then, uh, I didn't need to put the scripture up, but, uh, but then Reuben heard about their scheme. Good bloke, Reuben. Someone underlined it. Someone underlined it. Reuben heard about their scheme, and he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him in the empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying hands on him. But you see, Reuben, because Reuben's a good bloke, Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. You can always count on Reuben's. So he managed to convince them not to kill him. So they ripped off his cloak, and, uh, and they threw him in the empty cistern, and they were going to leave him for dead. But they saw an opportunity. Some traders were coming in the distance. And they thought, they were, starting to, they were starting to get a bit antsy about actually leaving someone for dead. And they thought, oh, maybe someone will find out about it. But here's a solution. We can just sell them. We'll sell them to slavery. We'll sell them to these guys. We'll get the money. And then we'll go back. They covered his, uh, his, his precious cloak in, in, uh, in goat's blood. And they took it back to their father. And they said, oh, dad, sorry. We couldn't save him, you know. He was killed, you know, he, well, they actually sent the cloak back and his father said, oh, looks like he's been ravaged by wild animals. So Joseph's father thought he was dead and Joseph became a slave. You know, he'd come from being the favorite child and having everything he wanted and all of a sudden God had given him a vision. So 
So he built him up, and then he's in the pit, and he's a slave, and he's on his way to Egypt. Doesn't look like a grace-filled life so far. But the thing is about God is that he has a plan bigger than the situation that you can see. Amen. And what happened is Joseph was taken into Egypt by these uh, slavers, and he was sold to a man named Potiphar. And this is where God's grace comes in. You see, God's grace, grace actually translates out to favor in the Bible. It's actually God's favor. You're all favorites of God, and he will turn whatever situation there is to go your way according to his plan for you. And we see this happen with Joseph. He was sold to a man named Potiphar. And uh, in Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. When the Lord's favor is on you, the blessing is not just for you. You'll bless those around you. And you'll bless those that you might think might not even deserve it. Your master, (laughs) your boss who might not be a Christian, you being in his workplace is going to bless him. That's the way that God works. But the thing is about Potiphar, you know, he wasn't wasn't a believer in, in the God of Israel, but he saw the Lord's favor upon Joseph. So Joseph was ministering to him just by being. And that's what each of us can do in our sphere of influence. God will turn your circumstance to bless not only you, but those around you. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. And that's what he's going to do for us. He's going to bless all the families of the earth through you and I. Through you and I. It's bigger than our situation. The word sometimes is like a mirror, I've found. Don't you love it when you open the Bible and you read a verse and it's like just, just looking, looking at yourself in the word? I mean, anyone had that experience? You just see yourself pop out from the word. Genesis 39, 6. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Amen? Yes. Praise God. Why are you laughing? This was a bit of a problem, though, for Joseph. Because it can cause complications. So Potiphar had risen Joseph up to this place in his house where he was actually managing everything for Potiphar because he realized, Potiphar realized, Joseph was favored and he was bringing prosperity to his household. So he elevated him up from a slave. He was still a slave to Potiphar, but he elevated him up to a position of authority within his household. God's going to do that to you as well. If you, if you walk in his grace, he is going to make a way for you to increase your influence in this world. He's going to make a way for you to increase your influence because with your influence comes more opportunity for him to bless others. Amen? So he'd raised him up. Potiphar had raised him up in this place. And the only thing he hadn't given Joseph was his wife. 
But Potiphar's wife had her eye on Joseph because he was a well-built, good-looking, handsome, strapping young man. And Joseph did all he, all he could. Joseph did all he could to get out of the way of this. He, he made sure he was never in the room alone with her. He made sure if, uh, you know, he would go the other way. And you know, it says in the word that he, he avoided this. But it happened one day that he went into the house and uh, she was there alone and there was no one else around and she grabbed him by the cloak. And she tried, she tried to seduce him. But he, he managed to get away, but he left his cloak behind. And she was left there, jilted lover, with this, with this cloak and no Joseph. And she thought, well, if I can't have him, I'm going to get him. And she called in her servants and she said, look, this Hebrew is coming in, into our house. My husband has treated him well and he's coming here and he's tried to have his way with me. Here's his cloak. I screamed and he ran away. The thing about Hebrews in Egypt, Egypt is that they weren't really held that highly. They were sort of a second-class citizen. And so Joseph was immediately convicted. No one believed his word, even though all the good work he'd done, a great injustice was done to him. And I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where I've done everything right, but someone's just looked at it the wrong way, you know? And someone's, you know, I've been blamed for things. They weren't, they weren't my fault. And, and you can sit there and you can cry and go, it wasn't my fault, but no matter how much you say it, injustice happens, amen? I think we've all experienced it. But God has a plan for that too, you know? And Joseph was still in God's grace, and the Lord was still with Joseph. So Joseph was thrown into jail. But in Genesis 39:21 it says, "But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Wherever he went, whatever depths he went down to, the Lord brought him favor in the eyes of those that mattered. It doesn't really matter if someone else is, is giving you false accusations or trying to bring you down. God will make sure that the people that need to know who you are. Amen? So he was raised up in the prison. And, uh, and before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. The warden had no more worries. Once again, Joseph has gone into a situation, been himself, he's been betrayed, but he's gone in there and the Lord has made the most of it for him. And he's not only blessed Joseph and put him into sort of, you know, I imagine it like, why don't you see those, those shows where those prisoners get sent to prison, but they have that much influence. They've got like a flash beard and they get caviar in their cell and they, all the guards run around after them. And I, I see sort of Joseph, Joseph has been put in this place and the warden's gone, there's something special about this man. He can take care of everything for me and, and I'll favor him in return. And, uh, and so that's the position Joseph's in there. And uh, it's not only blessed him and brought him up into this, this fantastic position, uh, but it's also blessed the warden. Now the warden doesn't have to worry about so much. Amen? 
So continually blessing others. It's not just about us. What happened next is that the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had a bit of a hissy fit, and he threw his cupbearer and his baker into this prison where Joseph was. So he got fed up, threw them in the prison, and, um, and Joseph got to know them. Um, but the cupbearer and the baker, they were getting troubled by these dreams and, and these visions that they couldn't interpret. And uh, what Joseph said to them is that uh, dreams and visions belong to God. Tell me what your dream is, and let's see if I can figure out what it is. And so he listened to the cupbearer's dream, and this is what he responded in Genesis 40, 13. He said, within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And then he says, and please remember me and do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to the Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. He also interprets the baker's dream, and that doesn't go so well. But that's a story for another day. The, the message here is that God's timing is perfect. But it's not always what we want. Joseph, right then and there, wanted the cupbearer in three days to go to the Pharaoh and say, I know this guy, he's awesome, let's get him out of prison, let's sort something out. But what actually happened was that the cupbearer, the dream came true. And three days later, he was back in the good graces of the king, of the Pharaoh. He was back in his service, and he forgot all about Joseph. Forgot all about him. For two years. For two years, Joseph stayed in that prison after that, holding on to the hope that the cupbearer might have said something. But two years later, God saw an opportunity, or created an opportunity rather. The Pharaoh has a dream that none of his counselors can make sense of, and the cupbearer suddenly remembers. I know this guy that can interpret dreams, and he tells the Pharaoh about it. So here we have Joseph being pulled out of prison, clothed, shaved, brought to Pharaoh, and in Genesis 41.15, the Pharaoh says to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And look at Joseph's reply here. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Joseph has been brought out of prison on the recommendation of a cupbearer who interpreted his dream, He's been vouched for, he's been held up high on a pedestal, and uh, Pharaoh has gone, I heard that you can do these amazing things, and what does Joseph do? He goes, no, 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 I can't do it. I can't do it. Glory to God. He's the one that can do it. And he can set your mind at ease. It's so important, this part here. Joseph kept his eyes fixed on who gave him that gift, on why he was here and who he was serving. Glory to God. So Joseph reveals to Pharaoh that his dream means that in his kingdom, he's going to experience seven years of great prosperity, followed by seven years of extreme famine. 
and he recommended to Pharaoh, he said, look, what you really need to do here is you need someone in charge who's got the nous that during these seven years they can, of prosperity, they can prepare for the seven years of famine. So Pharaoh, go, Pharaoh goes, hmm, well, you seem to know a lot about this, Joseph. How about I put you in charge? Wow. We've got Joseph, who started off as the favored son of his father. And, and back in those times, that would have been a pretty high aspiration for most people. They would have been like, hey, I'm the favorite in my household. Life's going to be good. Life's going to be cruisy from here. And then his brothers cast him into, his, into a pit. So he's thrown down into this pit from this place of favor. And you might think, rats, life's taking a real downturn here. This is not looking good. I, I, had, I had it so good back there. Like, like, the, like the Israelites would say, why did you take us out of Egypt? We had food there, and we're stuck in this wilderness now. It's like that, you know, they forget that they were freed from something. But, but Joseph, he was thrown into this pit, but the only reason God took him out from that place of favor is because he had greater things for him. You see, Joseph was taken from that pit, and he was elevated in the house of Potiphar. Something about Potiphar, he was the captain of the guards for the Pharaoh. He was quite high up in Egypt. So Joseph was taken from favorite of his father, down and up to favorite of one of the bigwigs in Egypt and down to jail and then back up to what Pharaoh made made him the most powerful man in Egypt aside from himself this Hebrew slave he made him second in command to only the Pharaoh it says in the word the only person he answered to was Pharaoh praise God that's what he can do for each of us you know, you might think it's good and God's blessing you, you're having an amazing ride, and then it all comes crashing down. It's very easy, very easy for us to go, come on, God, what have you done? You've, you've left me, and, and try and pray him back into the situation where we don't realize his hand's in that situation the whole time, amen, and his favor's over us the whole time, and we need to look for that favor in our lives because it's there, no matter where you're at, no matter what pit, no matter what chains are binding you right now, when you have Christ in you, you have God's favor. And he is working to get you to the next level. To the next level. That's why it says in the Word to be thankful when we go through trials. Amen? Because when we're going through trials, you know, we often look back at how good it was. And, and I think we should. We should look back and go, man, it was good. It's going to get even better. It's going to get even better. I'm being tempered for something greater here. So Joseph's cracked it. You can't get much higher than where Joseph is now, but that's not the end of it. God is not finished with him yet. When we have God's favor and his grace, what does he want us to do with it? What are you, what are you going to do with it? He's extended his grace and his favor towards each and every one of you. And all you have to do is reach out and take it. But once you've got it, what are you going to do with it? It doesn't stop here. You're, you're a conduit. You're something for God's favor to pass through. You know, you, you're in a place of influence wherever you are. Where, whether you're working, you're in school, you've got 1,374 friends on Facebook or you've got all your Snapchat subscribers, you've got, you've got somewhere, someone, somewhere that God needs you to influence. 
And He will use you, no matter who you are, if you let Him. That's what His grace is for us. It doesn't stop with us. It goes on. Amen? Amen. So this, during the seven years of prosperity, Joseph, he did as he said to the Pharaoh. He saved up enough grain, and he was very, very prudent. He saved up the stores and everything like that for all of Egypt so that they would have more than enough to get through the seven years of famine. Just as he said, he, he honored. He honored what he said to the, to the Pharaoh. And uh, once the famine struck, it reached as far as Canaan to where his father and his brothers were still living. And, uh, and his father and his brothers, so the famine struck. They can't plow the fields. They can't, they're getting no food. But they hear that Egypt is pretty well resourced. So Joseph's father sends Joseph's brothers to Egypt to go and see if they can negotiate and buy some grain. So they get there, and uh, they didn't recognize Joseph because it was Joseph that was organizing everything. So these boys came to buy grain, and they meet Joseph, and Joseph sees who they are straight away. You know, he goes, these are the guys. <laughs> these are the guys that left me for dead. These are, and I'm in power. Right, and they need something from me. What would you do in that situation? You've been betrayed, left for dead, thrown in the pit, and now all of a sudden those that did that to you are here with their hand out. They need something from you. Now Joseph, I'd like to say that straight away he showed amazing grace, but he played a few games with his brothers before, they, uh, before he revealed himself to them. But when he finally did, in Genesis 45, 4, it reads, Joseph says, please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to what? To preserve your lives. That's not what I would have said. <laughs> Joseph said to his brothers, it was God who sent me here, not you guys being eggs, not you guys betraying me and kicking mud in my face and throwing me into the dirt and pretending I was dead or jealous of me. Not, it's not your fault that I'm here. God had his hand in that. And the reason he did it has been revealed to me now so that I can save you. So that I can preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. And this to me shows Joseph's heart for God, just how connected he was with God's plan for him. He rose above the emotions that I am sure he was feeling. You can't go through all that and not feel something towards these guys. But he was above it and he saw God's plan and what was happening. He saw God's plan and the strife that he was going through. 
and he saw that it was not for himself. He saw that he was just a vessel and that he was actually there to bless his brothers. So it was God who sent me here, not you, and he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of this entire place, and the governor of all of Egypt. It's funny how the Old Testament echoes the stories of Christ in the past. You see it in in stories here and there, and, and I've heard it preached many times before in different areas, but to me, if you listen to this, Joseph was long suffering. He endured injustice, he endured bondage, he was taken, separated from his father, where he had everything. His father loved him above all else. He was taken away from the privilege that he enjoyed at home. Then to those brothers who left him for dead, who persecuted him, to those brothers who threw him in the pit and betrayed him, he offered forgiveness, deliverance from famine, and life. They didn't deserve it, but they received it nonetheless. Is that a picture of grace? They didn't deserve it. They deserved something else. But instead they got forgiveness. They got deliverance. And they got life. Jesus chose to leave heaven, to come to earth as a man, to be long-suffering, and to endure injustice, bondage, separation from his Father, to endure the cross. At the hands of those that he knew he had come to save. Jesus was taken to the grave, and with him he took all of our sin. All of the sins of those that took him there. All of the sins of those to come that would persecute him and his followers. All your sins, all my sins, he took to the grave. And when he rose up, he extended grace to all of us. Freeing us from sin, freeing us from death, and paving a way for us to the Father. Just like Joseph's brothers, we didn't deserve it. We've done nothing to deserve it, but he offers it nonetheless. Amen? The thing is about receiving something that you haven't paid for, you don't deserve, that you haven't worked hard for, is that there's no work that you can do to undeserve it. You know, if you'd paid for something, or you were on a payment plan for something, you know, if you, you've got your AP for your car, if you stop paying it, they're going to come and take your car away from you. <laughs> we're not on a payment plan for grace. We don't have to live up to it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to work for our salvation, amen? We don't deserve it but it's given to us freely and all we have to do is take it. Amen? So there's nothing we can do to get rid of it once we've got it.
Amen? And it's for us to live a life not for ourselves, but for Christ. And so, following the heart of Christ for others. We bless others with the grace that he's extended towards us. Right now, he offers you freedom. Freedom from what's binding you. Freedom from the pits that you've been throwing into. Freedom, freedom from the injustice that you've encountered, like Joseph. Freedom from your own self-doubt. From your own cynicism. From your own guilt. He offers you freedom from all of that. Freedom to live for more than just yourself, but to live for Christ. Which is the most freeing life. I can tell you now is the most freeing life you can live. And I can share with you that I have tried living the life for myself. And I, I've lived what I measured as a good life. You know, just as Joseph would have would have measured his life as a good life when he was back living with his dad. I measured that as a good life. I was I was, I was good. Until until God took me and, and threw me into a pit that I could see no way out of. And it was there that he met me and showed me another way. And it was from there that he elevated me further than where I thought my good life standard was. Amen? So I want to encourage you right now, if you're here in this place and you are in that pit, if you are down there now and you're looking back to how good life was, I want you now to look forward to how good life can be in the grace that God gives you. He gives us all a measure of grace according to His calling for us. So I just want to give you an opportunity that was given to me right now. And I'd like everybody here to close their eyes and bow their heads. I want to give you this opportunity right now to make that decision that I've made. To reach out and say, yes, Jesus, I want you to take me to that next level, that higher level. If you have never said to Christ, you are my Lord and Savior. If you have never accepted him into your heart, I want to give you that opportunity right now. One, because he offers you the grace to get through what this pit is right here. He will he will walk through with you. He will abide in you and give you the power that you need to get through it. Two, because He's going to take you beyond what you ever thought you could be at. And He's going to take you to a new height and a new level. And three, because I want another brother or sister in my family here to continue building up and edifying our church, the Church of Christ, and to reach out and extend that grace to others. So if you've never done that, if you've never offered your heart to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity right now, and I will agree with you. I just want you to raise your hand right now. Just a small measure of courage. Just raise your hand right now. He's knocking. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. You can feel him doing that. He's saying to you, I've got something better for you. I've got a new level for you. And I will walk with you through this fight. So I'm going to offer it once more. 
I will pray with you if you just raise your hand right now. going to go into a time of worship now. And so I'll ask everybody to stand and we'll worship together. And then after this, we will all be here. Our pastoral team will be here. Our leaders will be here. Ready to pray with you for breakthrough in your life. Pray for you to get through to the next, next level. To pray for you to encounter that grace and experience that grace in your life. So we are here for you to stand with you and pray in this. But for now, I just want to offer up worship to our God in Jesus' name. Amen.